1: I feel like when people look at Black artists through a white supremacist lens, it's kind of only, like, desirable when you are just doing art. Like, you're just doing one kind of art, and you're just known for one thing, same style. And I like to see people play with different things. Like, I know that's also something I admire about you, because sometimes you'll be doing your makeup. (laughs) Sometimes you'll be going on a rant and letting people really understand you and you tattoo and you do things like with your community. And I think, especially as like Black folks, that's one element that we need to connect with because it's not just like, it's so easy to be like shoved into a monolith or it's like so easy to be just seen as one dimensional, but I'm like, we've always done like, several things, and we play multiple roles in our community.
0: What's up, y'all? Welcome to The Teardown, a podcast hosted by me, Vegas Inc., your favorite polarizing tattooer. Every episode, I sit down and chat with amazing guest artists, and we dive in more intimately on the politics of the tattoo industry, as well as some topics I feel are more relevant in contemporary tattooing. So, now that we're all set up, let's get started. Are you ready? My guest today is Obsidian, a Black non-binary femme, they, Fay pronouns, currently located in Asheville at Pastel as a tattooer. Faye also freelances as a multidisciplinary artist. Obsidian started as a self-taught tattooer, For the first four years of their career until finding a mentor who took them in as an apprentice for one year. They are a vinyl collector who has amazing taste in music and Faith spends time researching Black American folk medicine. So, Obsidian, how are you today? How are you feeling?
1: I'm good. I've been excited. I've been thinking about this topic all week. And I mean, obviously, it's something that I think about every once in a while, every day, because it pertains to, like... An issue that when you look yourself in the mirror, you're going to think about it. But yeah, I'm particularly excited to talk about it with you. What about you? How are you today?
0: Yeah, I'm doing good. I've, I've been excited about this topic as well. But before we get into that, you said that you're a multidisciplinary artist. What does that mean? Like, what are the things that you like to do?
1: I like to do a bunch of stuff. Like, I feel like I've dabbled in, like, embroidery and knitting and like mixed media work, photography. I don't feel like I always stick to other traditional like drawing, painting type stuff. I'll just bounce around wherever I feel like making things. The only things I feel like I don't really do is like performance art, (laughs) but everything else (laughs) I I really enjoy. Assemblage, like sculptural Things. Like, I really love building altars and stuff like that, too.
0: You said not performance art, but aren't you, like, DJing right now?
1: Yeah, but I wouldn't consider it performance art. Like, I wouldn't consider it, like, a curated, like, I wrote this and I am acting it out for an audience's, like, perception. I feel like when I'm DJing, it's more so, like all right, I'll have a set list or maybe not. Sometimes it's on the fly and I just like to, I feel like when I'm just playing music, it's a little bit different. But I don't know, maybe some people do see DJing as performance art, but I feel like DJs who are performance artists are way more engaged with the crowd. Like they have a microphone, they're hyping people up. They're maybe like cutting up and doing mixes and like, and scratching and stuff like that. I usually just get out there and I like to play.
0: Do you do it with vinyl?
1: Yeah, only only vinyl oh, records. Really? Yeah, like I don't, I've maybe played with my computer a couple times and that was years ago, but I learned with vinyl records when I was like 17, started DJing house parties at 18 and I've played weddings. I've played like punk festivals. I've played soul nights. Like I've DJed all kinds of stuff. I love it. I love records. It's great. It's definitely something that I feel like you have, you know, this this record. You can pick up a record from like 1986 and for someone like me who has PTSD like getting to choose <laughs> <laughs> like getting to choose to visit a time period that can incite any emotion, like from sadness to excitement to joy, or like maybe it's a spoken word thing. Like I get to literally time travel and and I get to pick like that. It just brings something out of me. Yeah. My relationship with DJing isn't as long as the relationship I've had with art, but those two practices have probably been the most consistent in my life and the most invested in. slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month I guess I would say so
0: let's get into like tattooing stuff I wanted to know what your experience has been like in the industry like why were you self-taught what got you into tattooing the self-teaching and what was that process like for you
1: Okay, so I mean, I first started being interested in body modification and tattooing and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure I was at a library something in passing and I saw like, you know, the coffee table books of like, these beautiful dark skinned people with scarification and tattoos, and they're just out in the wilderness, minding their own business. And I'm like, God, that's so beautiful. I had a friend at the time who had a lip ring and they were really obsessed with it and they, they started stretching their ears and I'm just like wow I didn't know that we could still do that and mm. so it literally started as trips to the library and going to Spencer's at the mall and stretching my ears at the in the bathroom at the mall
0: <laughs> that is actually so funny you say that because I when I was 13 years old I pierced my eyebrow on my own with a think a safety pin during lunch period in the plaza across the street from my school.
1: Let's go. How mad were your parents when you did that shit?
0: I got the bangs that were like this for a long time. <laughs> my dad did not notice forever. But that man could catch if I put a lick of mascara on, he fucking would catch that shit. The eyebrow ring stayed for a long time. Um,
1: <laughs> not the bang.
0: And the bang. That <laughs> was like full... Emo at that point, I had, like, the black hair. I was always I was straightening it. Black, down, long hair. And I had my ears all pierced. And he didn't know at all. But that was my rebellion. I wasn't allowed to wear makeup like all the other emo kids were. And I wasn't allowed to do anything crazy with my hair. So that yeah. was kind of, like, what I was doing.
1: I feel like it's common, though, in black households where it's, like, kind of policed. Like, it was the same thing with, like, getting in the piercings and body mod. You know, you kind of have to sneak the music you want to listen to. You kind of have to, like, navigate around it. But with tattooing, I didn't really know. I was sure I wanted to get into tattooing until maybe I was at some like dirty ass punk house somewhere in Buffalo and people (laughs) were doing stick and pokes. And I'm like, this is kind of cool. I'm like, it seems really gross and bad, but like, it's, it's kind of sick. I'm like, it invoked that same feeling of being in high school and not caring and being able to choose what I wanted to do with my body. And then from there, I tried to look up online, like, well, how do you get into an apprenticeship how do you do this and you know the same typical advice like get tattooed start hanging around around artists that you like I'm like well I'm broke um and <laughs> I don't like any of the artwork that these people are doing
0: where were you living at the time
1: I was living in Buffalo, New York and Buffalo, New York is really popular for, I mean, there's other artists who maybe might have their own studio and do something completely different and kind of hide away. I feel like more now, like closer to when I left like a year ago, that's when a lot of artists who did something different kind of surfaced. If you want to get a good traditional good old-fashioned traditional tattoo a good old sailor jerry or you want to get a yakuza back piece from a white man buffalo new york is the place to go
0: and it's so funny because i feel like people from buffalo new york are like fleeing to get tattooed by other people out there all the queer people i know anyways they're like "Mm -mm, i don't want it so they leave I've had clients uh, drive down here.
1: I've been directing people to your shop and just telling folks, "I'm like, oh yeah, you. I'm did. like, just go to you. Toronto. <laughs> it's cheap, it's cute. You get to get out the city for a little bit and get tattooed by other people who look like you and like have that exposure." Yeah, before I even had access to other people it was that so I mean obviously I tried to hang out in those spaces and I felt extremely unwelcome in them not only am I the darkest person in the room but just I'm like I get it y'all don't want me here no one's gonna say it out loud but it's not a vibe and so eventually people were like I really like your art and maybe you should just Try and do it on your own.
0: And you did it for you did it for four years. One, what made you decide to do an apprenticeship? And two, why did you pick the mentor that you have?
1: I pretty much started my apprenticeship during a time where the pandemic started. And I'm like, "Mm, I'm not gonna be tattooing at home. I know that much. Like that is just it's already risky. So I just I was stopping for a while and Linnea actually reached out to me. Linnea, I met in Chicago through a bunch of mutual friends through like the black and brown punk community. Like Linnea has been like doing their tattoo thing, long time punk, like glam punk, holding it down, just minding their business. But yeah, they reached out to me and they're just like, I would like to show you how to tattoo if you're interested in. And it was very different from any apprenticeship experience that I have had. I've had two other failed apprenticeships that I traveled for with two black cis men and I was heartbroken I'm like bro for real like y'all gonna do me like this
0: yeah you told me a bit about the tea and I was like oh
1: so I learned I was like okay so that's when I learned tattooing is different if you're black and also not a cis man. I'm like, okay, I've got it. Because
0: they're you could see it. They're not the ones leading the conversations on anti-racism and decolonizing and trauma. Like and none of that shit. They're happy to be aligned with white cishet men in the industry. I don't expect much from the weakest links. Anyways, so you were saying?
1: Yeah, but with Linnea was different because I knew also when I approached an apprenticeship this time would be different. I'm like, this has to be someone that can be vetted for and called in if something happens to me because I'm not going to be caught out here again. It has to be someone whose work I genuinely just love and whose character I love, because tattooing isn't something that I know I wanted to have. as just one career, because there's so many other things that I know I want to do with my life. But for how important I know tattooing is and how many components there are, I'm like, I need to have a good teacher so I can truly understand and appreciate this craft deeper than what I was just able to learn on my own. Yeah. So from there, it's been good. And it's cool because even the way Linnea approached me, it was very much like, how would you prefer to be referred to? Am I mentoring you or is this an apprenticeship? Let's work together and find language that works for us because they've been tattooing for like half their, their life and they just got into tattooing as the first thing. So everything that we got to learn together was something that we made and was specifically tailored for my experience with them. Like, if I could do, go back and do it again, I definitely would. Like, they're a great mentor.
0: I, I self-taught tattoo artist. I definitely noticed that, I, like, my goal was to get good enough to get into a shop because I was in a, I was living in precarity and could not financially stop tattooing. It was my main source of income. Even though it wasn't a lot, it, it was feeding me. And even though sometimes it was like, do I eat or do I buy tattoo needles and wish for the best, there was no way I can go into a shop at this point and be an apprentice and then be some white man's bitch. I had too much of an attitude back then. And there's no way you're going to catch me scrubbing toilets and you're going to tell me and put me in my, like, there was just not like, just the way that it was structured. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) so the goal was to like, get good enough to get into a shop and then learn and absorb everything that I could. And I realized that being self-taught, you'll hit a wall because you're not interacting with other artists. You kind of, and I was tattooing the hood. So niggas was just getting like, Bible scripts, crosses, you know, like the basics, like,
1: and it wasn't really,
0: right. Roses, like (laughs) prayer hands. And it was like, it was cool. So, you know, I've, I've tattooed black people my whole career. That's like not even bizarre that that even needs to be a thing, but that's how I started off and I couldn't become creative. I wasn't being an artist. It was just a tattooer. I got into the shops and it expanded. And then as I got more integrated into the into the industry, I met more people, got to absorb more things, got to learn different things. So like, I definitely feel like there's a wall that you will hit as being self-taught, but there's such an inaccessibility with learning in tattooing that it forces your hand into it, right? And like the fact that you got to find someone who one asked for them to mentor you, which is like, kind of unheard of and like white people take notes is kind of just remarkable although I'm not saying that you still don't have barriers within the industry Mm -hmm. as you exist in your person but definitely uh, not an experience that is like not out of the ordinary anyways is what I'm saying so today's topic is self-reflection versus desirability as a black tattooer and when you brought this topic to me like when you suggested it this is not my idea I want everybody to know Sidian suggested it and I thought it was so cool and it invoked a lot of like thinking and I still was like I don't really even know what this is going to be so and I didn't know how to enter the conversation so I was just really excited to like hear what this means I do have some questions and points but I want to just get into the conversation and, and hear what you have to say and we'll we'll chat we'll chat it up
1: well, I knew when you approached me, I knew I didn't just want to talk about colorism or featurism or things like that, tattooing, because I'm like, I know it's so, it's all interconnected. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because I feel like when you're a Black creative person, rather be tattoo or a painter or whatever, like, I feel like you're always being perceived like your work is always being perceived (laughs) and challenged. And usually people are looking at it through a white supremacist scope or lens. And I find that that's, it's a lot of pressure. It's extremely stressful. It leaves a lot of space for you to question like your self-worth and self esteem. So even circling back to the beginning and how I got into tattooing in the first place, it was still an uphill battle to find other people who looked like me, who were tattooing. And then there's only a handful of those artists that when I first, like a Black film artist that I first followed, that I'm still following with and I'm seeing what they do. And I know I followed them because of the ways that they represented themselves. I felt like it was very authentic. And I also felt like they were very unconventional, like, Black femme folks, I feel like I would look at them and be like, they, because some of them did have Black male mentors, and I'm like, they were probably given a hard time from the time that they stepped into this shop. Who was the artist, if you don't mind me asking? There's a couple artists. uh, Let's see, there's Amani K. Brown, and then there's Charity, like, cake, tattoos.
0: Yes. I loved
1: how... They had like a huge passion for tattooing, but they also have like, before it was artist branding things, they talked about like just other stuff they were passionate about and into. And you saw how all those things incorporated into your work. I feel like when people look at Black artists through a white supremacist lens, it's kind of only like desirable when you are just doing art. Like you're just doing one kind of art and you're just known for what, like one thing, same style. And I like to see people play with different things. Like I know that's also something I admire about you because sometimes you'll be doing your makeup. (laughs) Sometimes you'll be going on a rant and letting people really understand you and you tattoo and you do things like with your community. And I think especially as like black folks, that's one element that we need to connect with because it's not just like, it's so easy to be like shoved into a monolith or it's like so easy to be just seen as one dimensional. But I'm like, we've always done like several things and we play multiple roles in our community. But yeah, it's weird because yeah, just I don't think that sometimes it's okay be seen that way I know that's something I struggle with is I'm just like I think people want me to be more marketable (laughs) you know what I'm saying like
0: I mean this is a very capitalistic lens that we're like entering right now but like if we were to like exist in that lens for a second like what is it that you think that is not marketable outside of like the obvious issues of like colorism texturism and things like that?
1: My, especially my style, because this is something I've even struggled with with most of my career with tattooing and drawing, my style would have to be something that would be more familiar to look at in an art book. Yeah. The features would have to be different. The clothing the body type the style and painting like okay here's an example even with learning how to tattoo particularly and I'm just going to use this as an example because it's on it every person that I've talked to from the moment that I was first interested in tattooing told me traditional is the foundation of tattooing and how you paint something and the way it's supposed to paint and I'm like Sometimes I just want to be putting my shading all over the place, though. Sometimes I want to put these lines over here. Sometimes I don't want to use these colors. There's like rules you have to follow or also a way that you have to look in order for people to be interested to work with you. Things that you have to talk about on your platform in order to still be up in the algorithm. Me no like it.
0: There's a couple of things that you said that I'd like to touch on, one of which being your art style. I, you know what, if you would have asked me maybe five, six years ago, if your art style was something that I'd be interested in, honestly, only probably because you're black. But outside of that, no. And that is because I was so ingrained in trying to be the artist that like in what you're talking about, right? Like this is the foundations. This is what tattoos are supposed to look like. And so anything outside of what this looks like, it's not good. And I had to neurodivergent brain or whatever the case is, I I take something and then I I sit on it and I ruminate and I think on it and I, I critically think about it and put myself in the different perspectives and like ignorant art style or moving from a traditional tattoo world to instead of just centering foundations, but centering people's creativity was one of those things. But I still fucking kind of hate ignorant
1: tattoos. We're going to talk about that that in a minute because I heard you say it and I'm like, we're going to talk about that.
0: I think that some white people use it as an excuse to be mediocre. And that's how I feel about that. But my apprentice, they would describe themselves as an ignorant style artist And I'm facilitating the hell out of that shit. I'm like, yes, yeah, we'll get into that. So I think that I had to like learn and grow and unlearn all the things that I felt like were important to be a good tattooer because I always just felt like I wasn't good enough and still don't even feel like I'm good enough. And so absorbing and like becoming friends with some of the weirdo art tattooers and whatever has now definitely shifted that. And then I started to see, and I think another aspect of why it would bother me with like ignorant art, like art style or whatever was, I'm like, it's just fucking white people not listening. And they still have thousands of followers and booked all the time. And I'm doing everything right. And I will never get to where they're at. And that's another reason that was hitting a wall. And so my framework has shifted where I'm like, Still, yes, and this is going to lead me to my next point about the foundations. I do truly believe that foundations are important in the sense of like, you're like, what if I want to put that line here? I'm like, yeah, put that line there, pull it straight. Like, make sure it's in the in there. You want to put shading wherever you want to put shading, how you shade it, at least it's shaded, right? Like, however, as an artist, you want to conceptualize that piece, that makes sense. But as like a tattoo, I do think that there are certain things to keep in mind. And that's another thing that I don't like about some of these, again, white artists Who do this practice and like don't even do it well? I'm like, if you're just gonna draw a giant scribble on somebody's back, can the line be saturated? Saturate the goddamn line. (laughs) And then I see your art, and I just I think it's so fucking like there are certain artists, particularly black and racialized artists, where I'm like, why aren't you like more popping? This is it. Like this is ingenuity. This is this is being innovative. This is creative. This is cute as fuck. We haven't seen this before. Why don't y'all like it? Oh, I know why.
1: Yep, we know why. Right. On the ignorant style thing, it's interesting because <laughs> I never went to college or anything like that. Me neither. I
0: didn't graduate high school. Yeah. No.
1: Even just the way I learned about art and techniques in high school, it was always anything that black or brown people did, you know, in the Ethiopian church and that style and, indig- and American indigenous art, it's folk art. I'm pretty sure they had names for those styles of art, but we won't know them, will we? One of the things also that broke my heart is I'm just like, I'm so fortunate that I found a tattooer to teach me how to tattoo and is very thoughtful and safe and streetwise. There are all the things I wanted, but it will always break my heart that I will never get to learn how to tattoo traditionally and how someone in Whichever tribe that I would maybe have found out that I I will never be able to learn that. Right. But also you have it so that, you know, a a white tattoo archaeologist can probably randomly find this and go there and pay thousands of dollars to get work done by people like that. Those aren't things I have access to. It's so interesting that you have the desirable skin color and you have the resources and you probably could learn to do this right you could find someone to teach you you have more chances to find someone to teach you to do this the proper way when there are people who fucking can't who are thirsty for it and want to learn so bad and they want to learn in the ways that someone like them maybe hundreds of years ago would have done it but they can't because people like you took it and then they made something and they made that the standard and they kept everyone from it one thing that was really interesting because I'm, I'm taking an herbalism class right now and on the timeline of like jim crow and how everything started getting mandated i'm learning obviously that tattooing is that was affected by jim crow laws also with like midwifery and birth work and how they started policing what herbs or things that people could, all that stuff, anything that was a practice in autonomy in the body and herbs that we would use or just like ways that we would handle each other was outlawed. So when I see white people who have the access and the resources and all these things and just squander them or don't really truly see what they have. I just, I can't stand it because there's so many unnecessary hurdles that I feel like as a black tattooer, healer, artist, whatever, a black person who wants to work with themselves and wants to work with other people that look like them, just you're battling so much every day (laughs) for a white person to do a fucking squiggle chair (laughs) for $200. You're
0: giving them too much grace. They'll charge $500 for that shit. And I'm loving what you're saying here because again, you know, this industry, the tattoo industry was, you know, Immediately, always had a, a stigma of like at the outcast, a negative stigma attached to it, always, right? Mm-hmm. And even within that othered community, we're still upholding white supremacy and colonialism. And I'm like, make it make sense. And then, even now, as we're like trying to move into a new type of industry and reimagining what tattooing could look like, they're still creating another standard. Like, they're still creating another hierarchy, or they're maintaining. That hierarchy and you know and this is why i, I get death threats every day because i said i won't apprentice white people <laughs> i stand behind it I, I don't know what to tell you <laughs> i won't do it
1: it's okay i won't give white people discounts i'm like dude I, i'm sorry ask your mom your boyfriend reach into your satchel like i don't know figure it out
0: When I see, and I love that you named that because this is like the frustrations that I've named in a lot of conversations with folks, you know, sometimes publicly, a lot privately, even to my white partner, um, who is a tattoo artist. And I'm like, I'm running around here. I'm telling white people I'm not going to teach them how to tattoo. I'm not hiring white people at my shop. And I'm talking shit to white people every day. And then here you are being mid as fuck. (laughs) With uh, (laughs) us. I love you Dylan. <laughs> Mid as fuck. And I'm like, you need to get fucking better. You have me, you have the folks that you work with. You have a, the person that has employed you. You have every opportunity in the world to be a better fucking artist and you, you squander it and you don't apply anything that's being told to you or taught to you. And you run around here mediocre as fuck because you can be mediocre as fuck. I, if I would have pulled the lines that you did, and even within, you know, as being a biracial You would have lost half your clientele woman, base. I would not even be here. Like, you have to be exceptional all the fucking time. And, you know, I know that I have gained a lot of access because of desirability, because of colorism, because of anti-black racism within certain spaces. But I also, it's conditional. It is always conditional. And, you know, of course, dark skinned people don't even enter the fucking door. And that's the whole thing. But the fact that you have all the access, all the privilege, all the everything, all the opportunity, and you just don't take it, it's embarrassing. It's like if you're going to have the privilege, then use it at least. Like, but they don't have to. And that's also part of the privilege is that they don't have to. right? And that's also still utilizing and, and existing within that privilege. The ignorant style... I can't necessarily get behind it. The only time I like it is when black people do it. And it's the only time. Because I'm like, you get to unapologetically draw how the fuck you want to draw. And even those black people that are doing it are pulling straight fucking lines. That shit's saturated. And get their clientele, it's fat bodies, it's trans bodies, it's disabled bodies, it's black bodies. It's its all of it.
1: You can't even really call it ignorant. I'm like, is it ignorant? No. It, is it really ignorant when someone who is literally kept from this thing, but excels really hard at that thing. I think ignorant style is ignorant style because they don't care because they don't have to. It reminds me so much of the Dada movement. I'm like, I'll never forget how a white man put a toilet, a urinal, and a museum and white folks ate. They're like, this is genius. This is
0: the standard y'all created for yourselves. White people do better. <laughs> like, that's like that artist, what's his name? The one that Drake loves up on. He was uh, uh, you know basically desecrating animals and just putting them in epoxy glasses and being like, look at this great white shark that I cut in half. It's art. You
1: know what? I don't follow the man, so I have no idea.
0: He did the cover art for Drake with the
1: baby. Oh, the, the no. Movement. The little pregnant emojis? Oh, God. Okay.
0: So you, you discussed the ritual of tattooing, the indigeneity of tattooing being stripped away from us, from our ancestors. And now we are here um, as diasporic people. Not those practices being seen as primitive and as undesirable or whatever the case is, uh, uh, savage. Mm-hmm. White people who are actively and always othering themselves through body modifications. Blackouts, full body blackouts, stretching the ears, scarification, all of that. Distancing themselves from whiteness.
1: It's the next tier of white dreadlock. Like, (laughs) it's like the next level. With my white friends who are into body modification, scarification and things like that. It's if you want to get something done, like, because I know for a while, I was like, man, I really want fairy ears. You have to talk to so many people to get it. It's all hush, hush. And it's so. And I'm like, you know what? After going through all this for me to just pay some random person to be in a hotel room and also if this person is scarring up white people with mandalas and like sacred patterns I'm like I will just go to a plastic surgeon and pay 7 times the price then. I'm like no, I don't have that mu- that kind of money, but again, it goes into like if someone sees it on me And someone also wants it or someone wants a a black, another black person wants a split tongue or wants something like this. And they have to go through all these hoops to get this thing. I thought too, that I'm like, damn, like I thought tattooing was hard to get into. And I'm like, you made, you went deeper than this? like You made another level to like gatekeeping these, like a service that like, not really sure you should have access to really, but you're doing it.
0: I mean, there's a somebody on Instagram right now, this guy who's trying to turn into an alien or something. He found somebody to cut his fingers off.
1: You know, but if a white person wants to pay to disrespect their body because they hate themselves so much, so be it also. But also, (laughs) you could be using that money to make the world a better place.
0: It bothers me because I'm like, I mean, yeah, work. Like, if you want to just do that to your body, then do it. Fine. But it bothers me because then these people are given platforms and like opportunities and then other themselves and then get to act as though they are now marginalized. Although you
1: chose to do that to yourself. You
0: chose to do it to yourself. And then you had the access to be able to do that to yourself.
1: Because it's not easy to get. None of that stuff is easy.
0: And this is also the thing about why, like even to circle back to like ignorance, all tattooing or bad tattooing done by white people. I have dragged a lot of white people for tattooing black bodies because the tattoos were bad. And I'm like, do you understand that modified black bodies are policed, surveilled and demonized and criminalized always. And now, you know, unfortunately there's tears Of quality, you have now put something on a body that is not even artistically like it's not even well done. Now you're just marking black people's bodies, you're just putting them out there. It's not an adornment, it's a tattoo. And there's no way that black and racialized indigenous bodies can exist in the same ways that like white heavily modified bodies get to at all.
1: I learned a difference too when I got older and I got to see white tattooed people and, like, black and brown tattooed people. And I've seen all different kinds, from home tattoos to, like, I got this from this expensive artist across the globe-type tattoos. And I'm like, it's interesting because... Black people usually are, with other Black folks, more forgiving if maybe the tattoo isn't totally perfect, but they remember if the experience was good. And they're like, you know what? This person is learning this, that, and the third. And usually Black people have to take longer because I feel like there's just not as much education for us about like what a tattoo, a good tattoo is supposed to look like, or, you know, how it's supposed, what the experience is supposed to be like, how it's supposed to feel, all that.
0: Even having the access to art. yeah. Yes.
1: And a white person will be like, how are the first like several tattoos you have, either they're really fucking good because you have a friend who tattoos and they get to practice on you or they're shitty, but you really enjoy them, but you got to choose getting a shitty tattoo you get to choose if you want it to be bad I don't think that we have that ax that much access it's like sometimes a surprise I know for me when I first started getting tattooed it was like a surprise every time until I was like oh (laughs) like you mean this is not cool oh this is like what this is what scarring is oh not everyone can do a cover-up but i thought that all tattoo artists are supposed to be good at what they do being a white tattooer and i feel like the education that you give people you kind of get to tell them whatever you want and they can sell you whatever they want really they take advantage of the fact
0: that they don't have access and it's like unfortunate because like i mean majority of my clientele are like black and brown folks And it's, I love, it's interesting that you brought that point up because I have black folks that come in who had like a family tattoo or who's also another black person, but the tattoos were not great, but they went back to them all the time and they liked it and whatever. Then they saw myself and they're like, oh, there's, I could do different things, but they don't hate that. And they're like, you know, it's not the greatest, but I liked them They never made me feel uncomfortable with my skin. They never told me that nothing was possible. Like it was a good experience. And then I've had black clients, black and brown clients who have come in and been like, yeah, I hate this. Like, same quality tattoo, but it was done by a white person. They're like, they made me feel like shit. I wanted it in color, couldn't get it in color. I wanted it in this. I, I thought it was too thick. They told me it had to be thick. They told me it had to be this and had to be that. And I didn't know what to say, and I didn't want to say anything to offend them. So I just got it. And then I kept going back because I didn't know anybody else. And I'm like, ah! And, you know, folks who live in precarity and who exists in marginalized communities, the hood, the ends, whatever. You always have artists in the hood. You always do. And I, I love those guys. And it sucks because a lot of them don't even get to fully explore that creativity. They don't get to go anywhere with it. They just mm-hmm. sit on it. But, you know, for the other folks, the, the regular society who is not artistic, but a, particularly in these communities, they just don't know what a good or quality is because they've never been presented with good or quality. And then, you know, more specifically when it comes to tattooing Mm -hmm. because it's just not accessible. It's not financially accessible. It's not regionally accessible. And then they're just denied all the time, any access.
1: That's another thing too is, and it's just even going back to talking about, you know, the lenses that we look at black creatives through like our definition of quality and comfort all that, especially as it pertains to body work and energy work, are different. And that's definitely something I feel like. That's the difference I feel like when I tattoo with a, a black client and when I tattoo with a white client. It's two completely different experiences. They're mm-hmm. worried about two completely different things. Or there's a way mm-hmm. that this person speaks to you where it's just like, it's I love tattooing black people because it just always feels like home like it always Mm. feels like i am in a kitchen we're the only people here i could offer you some kool-aid right now and i could ask you do you want red flavor or blue flavor and i can explain to you exactly what i'm doing no question that you're gonna ask me is gonna feel stupid and i can make you feel reassured It's, it's a completely different experience then when you're tattooing white folks, it's sometimes a disconnect unless the white person is like more aware or woke or obviously has been socialized and either with other black people and has dated a black person or like they'll just have the right things to talk about and know how to make you how to make you feel. But yeah, that's like <laughs> this definitely something like when I think about the ways that I get to express myself with a black clientele and as a black artist like. It makes me feel like we both really want to be here and we are both really cherishing this moment because it's it shouldn't be rare, but it is. Like that's one of the most common things I feel like I hear is, I, I had to travel for you. I'm not used to getting tattooed by like black femme people. And it's like, I wonder how many times a white tattooer hears this shit if it's like another white queer tattooer, they're like, Oh no, I'm not really tattooed by a whole lot of like queer tattooers, but I'm just like, Well now white tattoo white queer tattooers I'm like, they're they're more common.
0: Completely common and successful.
1: There's more of them. But it's like black queer tattooers, like there's not many of us yet, or there's some of us and we're still struggling at home trying to figure out learning or get up there enough where it's like we get to know each other, build our, our little collective spaces, like I have faith because I mean, obviously I see it and I look around me and everybody (laughs) I know I feel like is a black queer tattooer, but I'm like, five years ago, I wouldn't have imagined this.
0: It is beautiful that it's happening now. I, I don't know if I'm... A, I wouldn't consider myself a pessimist. No, actually, I would consider myself a pessimist. Same. <laughs> I'm more of an idealist, too. But even it's... There are so many Black artists out there, talented Black and, and women or, like, femme or non-binary femme or just non-binary artists who are out there. Just nobody knows. Like, we've hired a couple of people that I didn't even know fucking existed. And it's wild to me because I'm like what I perceive as talent and what I perceive as skill, not like the status quo of whatever. And I do think that they are up there, but one of our most skilled illustrators in the shop and this other super rad black artist who, and even my apprentice, like who does these illustrations that are just so creative and innovative. And I'm just like, where the hell y'all been hiding yeah. on Sherborne street? Hiding bus, like,
1: and scared what? because like, and
0: not putting themselves out there. One of them said that they were like, I don't, a few actually, even some people that we were looking to hire were just like, I'm scared to follow artists because I don't want them to perceive my work and think I'm bad. And I'm like, I mean, because if you don't put yourself out there, you, but then also the very real fear of rejection because black artists, black tattooers are put under a fucking microscope for any little mistake that could be made. Oh
1: fucking God. (laughs) learning was hard because Linnea's like, sometimes you're going to have a bad tattoo. I'm like, fam, you don't understand. If I do one bad tattoo, it's game over.
0: No sleep. <laughs> and then also just the criticisms that come with that. like, And it's just like kind of circling back to that foundations conversation. And this is what I told my apprentice. I'm, and I was like, I don't want fucking nobody saying anything to you. You could leave here. You could stay here for as long as you want, but you can fucking leave here. And I don't want no fucking white man ever telling you something about tattooing that you don't already know. No matter how you choose to tattoo, no matter what techniques you choose to take from this, I teach you this. You take what you need from it. And then as you grow, you develop your own theories, your own foundations. But you could walk into anywhere and know you are better than anybody else in this space. And they couldn't tell you anything.
1: Also, what makes you better is that you want to keep learning. You want to keep being better every day. But also, like, if you're an artist, you're going to understand that. Sometimes you go make a drawing and you're going to be like, yo, this shit sucks. And you draw, <laughs> and you draw it again. And <laughs> you draw it again and you're like, all right, I like it better. I want to do this different next time. That's your practice. Mm-hmm. You're going to have some some hitters and you're going to have some misses, but I think it's important to keep trying and find what makes you special and find what makes you love the craft and not resent it.
0: Also, I saw something that made so much sense and they're like, if you saw what you drew and you didn't draw it or you didn't paint it, would you like it or is it because you did it? And I'm like,
1: okay, <laughs> I didn't need to be dragged
0: or attacked this morning damn, because you probably would.
1: And why? Why do you like it or why do you not like it? The self-reflection is necessary in this kind of work. I'm really excited being in this, like, generation of tattooers because we're creating something entirely new and different. We're building the bridge as we walk across it. When we're doing something that hasn't really been done before. We're making tattoo spaces that have STEM toy boxes in them and we're hiring the people that we want to hire and we're having faith in people and we're trying to keep each other safe. Like, I think the culture that we are creating is something beautiful and it definitely makes me feel hopeful (laughs) it definitely makes me feel more hopeful than when I first started because I don't feel like I belonged anywhere from the way that I drew to maybe the my interests or what I looked like or just anything I didn't feel like I'm like I'm maybe I'm not supposed to be a tattooer absolutely I was like nah this is (laughs) like this is not the space I'm supposed to be in because I don't look like it I don't dress like it I don't talk like it they don't want me in these spaces and it really wasn't until I got to find folks like you and Tan and everybody where I'm just like oh shit like look at these people who are just out here living their own cute little lives and they're like but guess (laughs) what though I have a few machines too and what's going to happen is, <laughs> like, I'm going to get to tattoo people that look like me. And I get to still talk the way I want to talk. And I get to do the things that I want to do. And I think that's what success looks like when you can find where, like, you get to express yourself the way that you want. And you also feel like you get to be proud of the things that you do.
0: And it's interesting to to hear Tattoers like yourself, like Flesh and Fluid, like, you know, even Alex, Oya.
1: Jalen.
0: Fucking uh, Jalen. <laughs> Jalen gets mentioned on this podcast at least once every three episodes, like every two episodes.
1: Oh my God. You know,
0: even Aaron Davis are just like creating art that is so culturally significant in its own ways. And then just still so like powerful, relatable, and then has now for me been the new standard. That is the standard now. Like this is where where I need to get to, where we need to get to and this is how we need to learn and this is how we need to create and just fucking like create and not worry about all this other foundational shit.
1: This is our foundation.
0: These are the foundations that we're creating for ourselves.
1: And we get to redefine that shit how many however many times that we want to. And that's the beauty of when you're setting up something. Like, that's the beauty of when you're creating a culture. It's like, all right, we're going to have this. Mm, This shit didn't work. We don't like how this is. We're going to make something new or we're going to add on to this. It should be a story.
0: I really appreciate you coming on here and... Sharing and storytelling and like just, you know, when you said talking to Black people, uh, working with Black people feels like home, like it really does. There's a language, there's a culture, there's a look, there's a feel, there's just an environment that is just so different. But I really appreciate you.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you too. Thank you for inviting me to your porch (laughs) <laughs> like, I essentially right, just feel, feel like we just been sitting on the porch and chopping it up. And I really did love this. This was like the highlight of my day. Thank you so much. Thank
0: you. Was there anything that you wanted to plug? Your socials and organization, yourself, anybody?
1: I guess I will plug in that I sell t-shirts and custom prints at maybeheaven.com. That's my official website. You can always follow me at maybeheaven, no caps, no spaces, no nothing on Instagram. I will be finishing my herbalism class soon and I will be offering tinctures and salves. I'm an abortion doula and someone who advocates for reproductive rights. So if you ever need to talk to me in confidence, about like anything related to birth work and herbs or even just talk about art and creativity because those things are related, please feel free to reach out.
0: Awesome, thank you. That's it for today's episode, folks. Go ahead and follow at the Teardown Pod on all socials Make sure to leave a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. The Teardown is hosted by me, Vegas Inc. This episode was edited and mixed by Ali Sirois and produced in collaboration with Edit Audio. And I'll see y'all at our next session.